All right. Uh, podcast number two with the new setup. The microphone is out of your face. Learning. Good improvement. Did you say learning? Uh-huh. Never heard of that before. Is that like when... <laughs> wait a minute. You know when Ralph is like, yeah. me fail English? That's impossible. Yeah, yeah. He's like, hey, Super Nintendo Chalmers. I'm learning. <laughs> oh, <is that> <laughs> of course, it's a Simpsons quote. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm fucking ready. I think this is fine. Yeah, me too. We are... Uh, we're going. We're doing it already. It's already recording. Fuck. All right. Well, thanks for the heads up. You Neil. didn't know that? No. Uh, well. If you didn't say anything incriminating, <laughs> yeah, that's true. if I started recording five minutes ago, oh, oh, it'd have been cancelled, mate. <sighs> Do you think that anyone in Australia gives enough of a shit to cancel anyone? Well, what does it mean to be cancelled? It just means a mob comes after you on Twitter and then and then people forget about you in a day or two. Nothing actually happens. Well, Milo Yiannopoulos is the one that got truly cancelled. Yeah, but I Who mean... Who else? Who else has actually been cancelled? Maybe um, Bill O'Reilly. Yeah. Um, it's hard. Just uh, Ben Affleck, I think, got cancelled. Did he? Yeah, because he said he was very vocal against um, uh, male sexual abuse, but then there were clips of him grabbing a girl's boob from the 90s or something. Damn. And then, turned. So he doesn't get work anymore? <laughs> Uh, see, that's the thing. When people get cancelled, then now they've the power of cancelling someone isn't valid anymore because they do it so often that it doesn't it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, overinflated. Uh, I saw some stuff on Twitter just before you came here about Josh Thomas now being cancelled. Uh, all right, what did that skinny freak do? He made some um. He made comments about the way he casts people for his show. And then he was saying something about... Well, it's actually... It was directed at Indians. So what did he say? He said something like, so when you're casting a 7-Eleven role, do you cast an Indian? Is that offensive? Or do you cast a white person? But then that's not true. And look, he makes a good point. Like, what? <laughs> I'm not offended by that. That's a good... If you're casting someone who works at 7-Eleven, you got to be... You, you do have to cast an Indian. And the I get it. The thing is, I... on top of that, if you don't, it comes off as extremely ham-fisted force. And this is the thing that I think exactly. audiences hate, which is just chucking in a black guy because equality or some shit. Yeah. You know, like it just comes off as like really inauthentic. I think the people, like the audience can smell it a mile away. So you will see that if they just put, I don't know, fucking Chris Hemsworth or some shit as the guy at the 7-Eleven counter. Nah, I mean <laughs> that guy's not gonna have that job. Look, he's gonna work at a surf shop, you know. The stereotypes are true. I'm sorry. I mean, I, I, I sure, if you are an Indian actor and the only roles you're getting are Seven Eleven roles, that's pretty demeaning. Um, but if you are casting a support character in a in a Seven Eleven, I mean, you, you, you got to cast an Indian man. Like if you're casting a basketball player, I mean. Just cast a black guy. It's not offensive. It's yeah. just true. <laughs> I guess the, the counter-argument to that is, well, white people don't get typecast in it. They just get to do 
any role basically. They're they're not. There's not like a. Hey, they're not going to the Seven Eleven role. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, exactly. Uh, that's true. So checkmate. You don't get to play. Yeah, why don't they make an amazing movie about someone who does work at Seven Eleven, but then has this incredible backstory? Yeah, and... like there's just a little gateway to Narnia in one of the fridges. Yeah, and that's kind of offensive to people who do work at Seven Eleven, saying that they're simple and there's nothing complex about their lives. Yeah, because this is the other thing they about those be. Indian guys at the Seven Eleven. As soon as there's no one in there, they're doing homework. There's a reason they get that role, and it's because most of the time there's no one in there. You just study. Yeah, if you get the that, or they're talking to their fucking mum. I, I, I really don't envy that. That sounds Wait, fucked. Wait, what? What do you mean they're talking to their mum? You know when you go there at like 2 a.m., and then you just hear this kind of like, and they're just like talking, and then you hear this old, shriveled female voice being like, on the other side, and you're just like, fuck, this guy is caught with his mum. This conversation has been going on for hours because you can Dude, see the like drain in his face. I've never gone to a Seven Eleven and had had that happen. Really? No. Dude, every second or third time, the guy just at the one near yours. The last time I walked in there, he was doing that, and he had that face of like, "Kill me." I was like, "Man." I mean, it's not. Uh... This is the great. Pr- this is the true privilege of being white. <laughs> Being able to tell your mum to fuck off, that is an amazing fucking privilege. That is a very, you know what? That is actually a very white privilege. No other race can do that, man. Only white mums take that. The family dynamics are just, you know what it is? It's uh, If it's an ethnic family, the dad ha- wears the pants over the woman, so the dad has control over the woman, but the women just have, like, they're just dictators for their children. Yeah. They have that's the ultimate deal. control. Whereas with white families, it's um the wife has so much control over the man. Yeah. Definitely white women wear the pants yeah. in relationships. Yeah. And then the but. kids have control <laughs> over both of them. <laughs> well, usually, yeah, the, the dad is kind of just an empty appendage. So it's just the mum gets all the brunt. Yeah, what a sad life. Being like a middle-aged, middle-class white. Yeah, what is what white privilege? But look at the average white male. They're just they don't get any sex. No. They hate their life. Yep. They're probably going through a midlife crisis. Easily. Yeah. Okay. They probably have a cushy corporate job that maybe um, they didn't have to face the same hurdles that certain ethnic people. And, and that's very like that. I don't even know if I agree with that, but. Are they really that privileged? <laughs> I'd much rather be an ethnic man in a, in, a, in a traditionally ethnic household. Yeah, at least you're the king somewhere. Yeah. If you're just some shtick and probably not even... If you're in upper management, it'll be sweet because you can probably have sex with your secretary. But, man, can you? middle manager ain't having sex with their secretary. No, no way. Maybe like the CEO is probably banging the secretary. Mini secretaries. Well, he's probably got uh, core girls and shit. What do you think of that? Do you think uh, would you would you judge a married man who sleeps with a secretary, like a hot twenty two year old secretary? That it's just I don't know why she would want to. First of all, you know what? I I actually listened to this interview uh of the, the the wives of some rappers and they were interviewing ti because ti had said ti was in an interview with some other <laughs> rappers girlfriends and he i'm not making this up he said 
Like, I'm trying to do his accent, but he was like, oh, you know, every year when my daughter, you know, I, ch- I we take it to the gynecologist to check That's her right. hymen, make sure her yeah. hymen's still intact, yeah, you know yeah, what I'm yeah. saying? And the women were like, what the <laughs> fuck? Yeah. That's so fucked up. <laughs> Dude. But anyway, the the, the women <laughs> were um, talking and they were saying something. They were um, talking about how, you know, men see a young, attractive, a 20-year-old girl with um, big boobs and a nice ass and uh, those are signs of fertility and they just, you know, their animal brain kicks in and they just want that. Whereas women will see a man with power, whether he's rich, famous, whatever it is, and there's those same animal instincts kick in mm. and they're like, oh, I want that. That's really, I mean, I, I sort of knew, I vaguely kind of knew that uh, mentality existed, but hearing it from a group of women. Yeah, it adds a different dimension. Yeah. You see that all the time with uh, women always just being like, oh, yeah, the Lewinsky scandal. Can't believe you did that to Hillary. And it's like, would you do that to Bill Clinton? Yeah, in a heartbeat. Every time. Sure. I'd it's probably the power. Do, I'd probably suck his dick too. Yeah, it is a president. It would be a story. I mean, what do you mean? You, you know, you could do it. Yeah, it, it's, it's kind of true. It's it's a there's a certain country, level. Man. I'm sure he signed some really good executive orders after that because his mind was clear. Yeah. Yeah, so you were exactly. You're a patriot. You did a service to the country. <laughs> <laughs> he was feeling generous. There's so many things that you could argue that, hmm. but like it's a. Uh, Sorry. What is it? No, I just wanted to make sure we're still recording. What happened? I just wanted to make sure we were still recording. Keep going. We are. Yeah. No, I'm sick of this thing of just being like, oh, my God, the power dynamic. They can't say no. No one's saying no to a president. We just said it here. Neither of us are gay. We'd have sex with a president. Even Trump. Yeah. <laughs> Holy fuck. Imagine that. <laughs> Jesus. Now that's that was, service. You know what it was? It was, you know how there's a, the, the, the crazy hot scale when it comes to women? So, oh, here comes the locker room talk. <laughs> Close your ears, ladies. So there's the crazy hot scale, which is um, a girl is allowed to be crazier based on how hot she is. So Ooh. she's a nine out of ten. She's allowed to be a Pretty nine out of crazy. ten crazy. And I'm sure, I'm sure there'd be some sort of comparable scale with men. Like, if anything, it's probably like the ugly to powerful scale. Yeah. And as powerful as Harvey Weinstein was, he was that ugly that it didn't that the power could not make up for it. <laughs> Couldn't wield it. <laughs> Damn. Despite being, holy shit. But so much power. Uh, that, That's how ugly he is. He could he he could just make someone's career. And not just a career, a multi-million dollar uh, starlet. He could just... At the snap of make, fingers. Yeah, he could. He, he controlled what movies got made. And back then when movies were the... Probably the the main form of art people a prime would cut. people would watch. So yeah. you could influence people at a on a dramatic level. So we're talking about huge power, and he was still, still too that ugly. ugly. <laughs> and I think we all know as well. <laughs> yeah, Dave Chappelle said it best. He's like, he's like, man, Harvey Weinstein's the first guy I looked at, and he'd be like. Yep, he rapes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. So, yeah. Anyway. He's definitely right about that. Fuck. 
Oh. All right, good start. Yeah, this is a pretty good start, I guess. No snowflake zone here. <laughs> if you melt easily, um, fuck off. Fuck, imagine if that was our slogan. If you melt easily, fuck off. So stupid. Can we make it our slogan? Yeah. I don't, think, I don't think we have a choice. Fuck off. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is a... 200 degree zone instant meltage yeah let's find out oh, whatever it is snowflake like, thing what it was so hypocritical really at the start yeah, i liked it i was on board i was i was thinking yeah these people are just weak they're not resilient and then and then the gillette ad came out and all the people who are anti-snowflake got so melted. upset <laughs> <laughs> it's an ad <laughs> No and an ad, and an ad actually really kind of aimed at you. There's actually a true when when feminists will talk about um what are they called fragile masculinity. There's some truth to that. There's men who just put so much value in oh, I'm a tough man, yeah. And then as soon as you question that identity, the whole facade breaks down. Well, fuck, 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 questioning my manliness. Yeah. So, 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 look, they're they're correct. With the fragile masculinity. They're down with that, definitely. Because true masculinity wouldn't wouldn't be that fragile. A real true man. masculinity really yeah. is that <laughs> black guy in Breaking Bad. I think that kind of just answers every question by just raising his eyebrows, and you just know what he means by that. Gus, is that He's his Gus. name? Is that the guy in Breaking Bad's name? He's the, like... the the bookish looking guy. Can't remember, but he's, he's like he's got glasses. He's he sort of no Walt works for him. Gus Dufresne? Is that yeah, no, no, but he's he's like Chilean or some shit. Like, he's underling. Oh, that black okay. guy, how they're always just being like, where are we going? And I'm just like... And that's it. Oh, right. That's okay. all he does. That's his whole character. Yeah. Yeah, you can't argue with that. I know. That's that's a man. Just anything that you say of just being like, you're not a man. You have toxic masculinity. Well, clearly not. Yeah, he's not it, brokered by you. When literally everything is just dirt off the shoulder. Yeah. That is, uh, that's masculinity. That's, yeah. That's just strength. It's resilience. Actually, you know what? That segues very well into what I was going to discuss today, which is the collapse of civilizations. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Neil's into Let's it. Let's get into it. Mm. Anarchy. <laughs> can't Fuck. wait. Can't wait to. Yeah. <laughs> just as a, as a little side note, you see all the um, anarchists and the Antifa people in America just loving this moment and looting and getting into it. But, man, they, do they realize once they get out of the inner cities and deal with Trump supporters who actually have guns, they are fucked. Yeah. Like, they have no chance in hell. I mean, dude, you've seen those compilations of Proud Boys v Antifa, right? And they're always just these tank cunts that are juiced as yeah. versus these skinny little weedy pale dudes that usually have something like an iron bar or a bat with them. Mm. And still, just like one punch in the face, they're down. Yeah. They're like out cold. Yeah, but actually... And they have a weapon. When it comes to violence, the... um, Well, the yeah, the cultural riot is just miles ahead. <laughs> like you got no... You, you can't... <laughs> The very thing you've tried to eradicate from men, i.e. toxic masculinity, when it actually comes down to violence, will win. 
Yeah. Hands down. Easily. I, what a, I have a stand-up joke about that. It was a, someone was saying, oh, there's too much toxic masculinity in the army. And I'm like, come on. Like, if there's one institution where you kind of want a bit of that, it's the army. Yeah. What do you... What? what we get it attacked by... A, another army you expect the, the men to be like all right guys put your guns down let's talk about <laughs> it like mean let's talk about <laughs> our feelings no i want some fucking juiced up you know some just <laughs> some guy from country queensland who's not afraid to fucking kill some terrorists yeah and i say that as a as a brown man with a beard <laughs> like that's what i want in an army i don't want some soft or not, not soft, but I don't want some emotionally intelligent. Uh, and look, it's cr- look, people in the army are very intelligent, and, and I'm sure they're in control. That's half the teaching in the army is discipline and, and control, and you know, don't just react. But, but having you want said them that, coming from a stock of guys that have been roo shooting since they were four, since their hands were physically able to hold a rifle and squeezing it, yeah. so they just like they're straight into just being like, "Yeah, killed mammals before. That's just a slightly more advanced mammal. Let's go." Yeah, that's what you want. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But um, sorry, go on about. So, do do you think the collapse of our society is imminent? Yeah, kind of looks that way on social media. Jeez, that's a scary thought. Well, it's a it's. It's a symptom of it. But, I mean, look, during the COVID outbreak, for the first time in history... Yeah. In modern history, anyway, because China was probably the superpower of the world, like, you know, during the Dark Ages or whatever. But um, China's GDP outstripped the US's. I don't know if it's gone back, but that was something that they were expecting would happen 20 years from now. 30 years, even. Wait, but, but is that GDP output for a particular quarter or just overall i think it was didn't china already overtake america with overall gdp i don't know if look i'm gonna have to look at it i just remember reading this headline and just thinking well that's a pretty clear indication that uh one society is on the slide and the other is not (laughs) yeah (laughs) i mean regardless of that the 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 exact statistic, I think it's fair to say that America looks like it's certainly on the decline. Yeah. It's, le- it's at least trending that way. They'd have to really turn things around. I mean, the COVID handling was the best example of it. I think China had about like 84,000 cases. Mm-hmm. A, a country where it started, they didn't even know what the fuck it was. But then isn't the argument that they, they're actually covering up a lot of their cases, you know, it's all sort of covered up. Yeah, but this is my counter argument to that. Who's okay? You can you can argue that about China, but why are America's statistics accurate? Why are our statistics accurate? Yeah. Why is any statistics on Earth accurate about these? Sure. This is just like a general catch of it. Sure. The difference is, I would trust their statistics over the U.S.'s purely for the fact that the U.S. only started locking down on it when it was way too late. And China was really stringent about that shit. Sure. And they were locking off entire cities and saying to people, you can't go out and welding people into their apartments. They took it to an extreme level. Whereas the US, right up until very recently, were kind of just like, um, maybe don't go to the Super Bowl, but oh, no, okay. Uh, no, nah, go. Oh, fuck. No, don't go. 
the same response that Australia had is the same response that all Western democracies had, and that is because it is a flawed system and it is going to fail, and it is failing as we speak. You can see it in the results of COVID. You can see it in the results of their handling of climate change. You can see it in the results of just the hollowing of the economy of the fact that like 50% of the US, uh, the I think it's even the Western world's GDP potentially is just in like Cayman Island bank accounts. That is a hollowing out of a society. And I think that it's just like, it's evident in all these other things, right? Like, look, Alagabalus was an emperor in ancient Rome who was insane. There's no arguments about it. He was like at the peak of Roman, like at the peak of ancient Rome, this guy came in. He was just some weird teenager that made everyone worship this black rock. Really, his grandma was in charge. And then he'd just sit there and basically play out all these like lewd sex games in front of the entire Senate and court. Um, and this is this is the key point here demanded that a vagina be inserted into his stomach up here so that he was, you know, the first transsexual, right? Okay, whatever, brave. The point is he wasn't running the fucking empire. He, like, was uh, actively seeing it crumble around him while he was just in there just, like, in this world of decadence, thinking about all these like stupid little insular things about himself of just being like, I'd like a vagina now. I, I want to be whipped by my slave. He was a very hedonistic man. So you say, are you um, uh, drawing parallels to our insistence? And when I say our Western democracy's insistence on seemingly trivial cultural issues whilst all these larger issues are at play? That's exactly what happens in every society. This is not just ancient Rome. You can mm-hmm. look at it with every empire. It's the same cycle that they all go through. They get to a point of total dominance. Yeah. Then they just become extremely decadent. Yeah. Everyone becomes very self-absorbed. The society breaks down. Mm-hmm. Um, like the thing is, the fact that like Elagabalus, right? Didn't uh, I am very uh, uneducated on the topic of ancient history compared to you, especially, but. Weren't societies, weren't, wasn't ancient Greece and ancient Rome, even at their peak, they were still quite decadent um, as opposed to, say, you know, the, 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 the strict Christian moral codes of um, the British and American Empire? Look, it took it just, a different flavor. Was it just the elites that were decadent? Obviously, it's always going to be the elites that are the most decadent, but there was yeah. this... You can see it in the writings from ancient Rome. There was a time where there was just constantly, like, especially around uh, after the Julio-Claudian, so your Julius Caesars, your Augustus, your Tiberius, all of those <coughs> famous Roman emperors. Most of the writings around them were just trying, like, constantly upholding the noble Roman, constantly instilling these principles into the society that this yeah. is what Romans follow. They're a strict code of honor and conduct in Romans. Mm-hmm. You can see it in their artwork. Camille Paleo makes this point that you look at the uh, increase of society, like when it's on its way up, always. There's always a celebration of masculinity. There's always just these, like, they're always celebrating characters like Hercules. Mm-hmm. There's all these buff cunts. All the Roman soldier, uh, emperors want to portray themselves as being these military men of might. Sure. Whereas uh, as uh, the society crumbles, there's more... Feminine characteristics and no, I wouldn't softer, even say yeah yeah softer blobby blobby yeah softer <laughs> noodly softer portrayals in art 
Yeah, much softer portrayals in art. Like shots of them, instead of just like holding a weapon, jacked, there'll be shots of them reclining on a couch. In those shots that you're talking about, of them just sitting around eating grapes with lies, just having orgies. Yeah. And look, I think the fact that I see this trend with art now, that you see a Lagabalus being rewritten as this great Roman emperor because he wanted to get a vagina cut in his stomach. Where's it? Who's rewriting this? You see it all the time. Like a lot of AFTA's students and a lot of like Australia's art scene have just discovered that this man exists because of just this obsession with transgenderism at the moment or whatever, right? Yeah. And so they're going into history and looking for these characters. And the fact that they're just highlighting this man who was just like the yeah. the... Uh, the epitome of incompetence and decadence and holding him up to be a hero, it shows where your priorities are in life. There's other emperors that you could have chosen that other societies did choose, like Aurelius or Augustus, um, uh, Scipio. There's there's all these characters in ancient Rome that, or Seneca, like uh, the, the at the beginning of uh, the US being founded, they were obsessed with Seneca, who wasn't an emperor, but he was He's given the position of dictator. Oh, sorry, not Seneca. Um, oh, God, his name escapes me now. His Something sen- starting with S. I can't remember. I can't believe I've forgotten his name. But S- Seneca was a philosopher. Yeah, it? yeah. And he He's wrote... He's got a good book. Have you read it? Yeah, the one about anger, right? Right, okay. Because he's got like... I can't remember how many, but there's many volumes. And, dude, sometimes I just put them on before I'm going to sleep. They're pretty good. Cool. I do recommend them. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan of Stoic philosophy. So philosophy. But that was a time. That was a time in ancient Rome, and that was kind of at its peak. And Stoic yeah. philosophy was all about, uh, you know, discipline, uh, having like an austere life, mm. uh, preparing for the worst, uh, you know, thinking about th- thinking through things logically, mm-hmm. denying yourself things. It was, it was austere. It was kind of just like, and it, you know, the Spartans, the same thing. The reason that they say that the Spartan Empire started to collapse is because they took over the Athenians. And why did they take over the Athenians? Because the Athenians were weak and decadent and the Spartans were a military society. And then they started getting all the creature comforts of the Mm. Athenians. And so then they started becoming lazy and lethargic. Do you think there's a a, a separation though between our, and when I say our, I'm just talking about Western society as a whole, our art, whereas the military might of America is still completely unparalleled? Well, that's also the case with ancient Rome. There was up until the very very end of ancient rome's empire which lasted a thousand years it's the most powerful society the world has ever seen there's never been anything parallel to it in history it was strong for at least 700 years of that empire um and then it moved on to just being the east roman empire which became the byzantine empire so you can argue that it just went on for two thousand years but uh yeah it it had the strongest military might there was, but eventually, through the years, through just the the thing of having it too good for too long is basically the only way that you can summarize it. There's a million other reasons to mm. it. You know, there was corruption, there was um, environmental factors that changed, which allowed 
German populations to grow in numbers and the Germans were just along the border of the Roman Empire so they started learning their tactics and they'd start trading with them so they'd you know start trading for their weapons and get their weapons and there's all these kind of explanations that you can have for it but at the end of the day you've got to say that what really started to really destroy it was the internal civil wars the politics that started happening with it these generals in far-off uh, empire regions like gaul or whatever declaring that they were the empire and then marching on rome and weakening the armies within fighting themselves for power yeah it was a decadent society and i, I mean like you can see it in the parallels of america today right like, there's, there's no really what is happening between the Democrats and the Republicans at the moment. It's just a never-ending stalemate civil war that is essentially eventuated between two parties representing different areas of power that are constantly battling each other for dominance and resources. Um, China, for instance, has no such thing. It's a one-state system. I mean, it's a one-party system, and so, like, it's, it's marshalling its resources... Yeah. In one way. What was what would you say is different to um, say America hundred years ago, which still would have had a two party system, versus now? I think it was actually the founding forefathers. And look, I hate holding the founding forefathers up as just these revered wise men, but in a lot of ways they were. But also the fact is that it was two hundred years ago, and law is a thing that should be changing. So I hate it when people just like look up at a constitution and be like, "That's the constitution. It's holy." I really like Britain's system where they kind of just don't have a constitution, and so they just because they understand that laws evolve with society, right? Uh-huh. But one of the main things that they were talking about was you do not want Congress devolving into a two-party system. Oh, uh, but basically, it has, for this very but, reason, uh, hasn't them not at the very early stages. Now, a hundred years a ago, two hundred yeah, two hundred years ago, that was the case. But like at the very foundation, after the American Revolution, um, at the, in those days, they kind of were just individual sectors. They were in, elected representatives based on their character and upstandingness, and then it started to devolve into parties. But, yeah, the, the difference, I would say, and these things ebb and flow, obviously, but the difference was, say, if you look at the Democrats and the Republicans, even in the 50s, mm-hmm. there was obviously, in what they were legislating, a public, a... a something at the back of their minds that was doing it in the interests of the nation, in the interests of the American society, both the Republicans and the Democrats were kind of just inhabiting this realm of pushing the nation's interests. Mm-hmm. You cannot say that about modern-day Democrats and Republicans. Mm. They are legislating purely in the interests of, if it's the Democrats, usually the major banks. If it's the Republicans, usually major fossil fuel industries. That's, that's pretty much all they represent at this point. They're not, in, they're not really interested in representing their electorates. They might throw little scraps to them here and there, but that is the main concern. The main concern is servicing these massive industrial powers. That's a huge difference and a huge slide this is also the reason that the Roman Republic uh, crumbled and then it was replaced with an empire. It's just because the democracy didn't sustain itself. It's after a while, there was just all the senators started working in their own interests. All they cared about was securing grain 
uh, for their patrons or securing like large tracts of land or securing a military contract. It was about enriching themselves. I think that's just something that happens in a society. You just start getting too removed from what's important in life. If, if, if things have been going too well for too long, you just start eating yourself. The, like generation on generation gets lazier and more slothful. Yeah, what's that, um, the adage, um, bad times mold good people, good people create good times, good times mold bad people. I think that's what's happening now. Like, again, this is something that we've talked about before, but it's just like, what's really happened to our generation? Do you think it's as catastrophic as a, as a sort of collapse of an empire? Or do you think that there's just a, a time, a transitionary period now where we've got all this new technology, namely social media, and we're just trying to contend with that because I think so many of the issues today have just been so exacerbated by social media and even the hyper-partisanship of the parties. Although the the influence that you talk about, that's been occurring since prior to the advent of the internet even. But how? anyway, my question, how bad do you think it really is? Do you, Do you think... How do you envision the Western world in... 50 years when we're 70 80 well what's the worst and what's the worst and what's the best case scenario i don't think there is a best case in well there's look the thing is it's not going to be anywhere near as bad or as dramatic as the fall of the roman empire unless there's an environmental collapse which is very very likely but um look I don't think it'll be like there was the Roman Empire, everyone had flushing toilets and this constant supply of grain, and then all of a sudden it was the Dark Ages, which was basically Mad Max with swords. Would have been a really that's scary the, time. That's such a good description of the Dark <laughs> Mad Max with swords. Oh, that's, what yeah. it, that's what it was. That's man. what it was. What a, oh, what a bizarre time in human history from basically the year, what, maybe 400 AD to... 800 or something. I mean, yeah, 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 like, yeah. Really? Um, well, basically, things didn't recover till what, the Renaissance, essentially, isn't it? Yeah. No, well, well actually, you, you want to get really technical about it? It didn't recover until the 1850s. So that was the age where people started having per capita the amount of fresh water that people in ancient Rome had. Really? Yes. That was in London. In fact, no city reached over a million people until 1850. That's how far society regressed once the collapse happened. Amazing. It's pretty incredible. And this is not just them. Like, there's a book by Jared Diamond called Collapse, I think it is. And he just goes through all of these examples, like the Aztecs, Easter Island, all of these ones. And they're all the result of these people just exhausting their environment to the point that society just collapses in on itself. Okay. I don't think ancient Rome was a result of that. I think ancient Rome... I think uh, the climate did definitely change and places in the north got populations that were very large and looking for food. So they started pushing on ancient Rome. But internally, in terms of the environment there, it was fine. I think, look, the best case scenario for our society, I think, is that we uh, avoid 
an ecological collapse. I'm not particularly optimistic about that. But if that happens, then, and this will all be in varying degrees because it'll probably be more like Blade Runner. But, you know, when there was an ecological collapse in Easter Island, I can't remember the exact numbers, but say there was like 30,000 people on Easter Island. Then they cut down all their trees because they just got enamored by those big fucking heads. And so they just started cutting to, to get those rocks from the top where the mountains were down to the beaches. They had to cut pathways through the trees. So they just clear their whole island of trees. And once they did that, all the birds fucked off. So they and turned to mysticism, essentially, when things were going wrong. No, it was just this weird enamored... It was like... Uh, tulip syndrome in the Netherlands, I think it was. Just They got obsessed with it and it didn't really have any value, but it had value because they thought it had value. It was something to do, it was something to do originally with mysticism of the fact that, uh, you know, once, once one of their tribal elders died, they'd make one of those heads to honour them. Yeah, okay. But then it just turned into like this competition between the various tribes on the island where they'd just be building the biggest one. Yeah, okay. So it was just all that, right? So do you think as people... Um uh, as they go from a state of comparative, um, how can I put this? So when they come down from relatively good conditions into worse conditions, do you think people are then more likely to turn to extreme mysticism, dogma, almost in a way that we're kind of seeing today in Western society? People are getting really into various ideologies that are clearly not based on any sort of reason. But I think that if you look at the the ideologies that they're following, if you if you really look at it, it's self worship. It's decadence. Mm. What do you think like sitting there and talking about like all day just being like triggered snowflakes, I'm fucking tough and shit like that? What is that? Again, like what we've been discussing in this, right? It's just this reflection of the fact that you're this like strong fucking tough macho man and then like if you're just into i don't know like i'm a transgender and i identify myself with a she and a they and shit like that like the the fact that you are spending so much time thinking about how to identify yourself this is not a luxury that people in a society that is on the inc- uh, increase usually these are not things that they are in- interested in. As we've seen in ancient Rome, these are the things that these people are interested in. They were interested in like identifying themselves in certain ways and yeah. what their like little special niche religion was. This is what the aristocracy were obsessed with at the time of the demise of ancient Rome. And yeah, it's the same thing there. What this is slightly separate but it it might be related. Do you do you know much about what what instigated the conditions in ancient Rome for the emperor at the time to adopt Christianity as the religion of Rome? Yeah. Well, there was there were several things that were happening to that. So it was Constantine and he, first off, killed his wife and his daughter. As you do. As Well, especially if you're an emperor. <laughs> as you do. And... Uh, King Henry VIII beat, beat him, though. Ugh. That guy. Uh, Leaps and bounds. Man, that guy. <laughs> what, yeah. an, what an incel that guy. I mean, not, he clearly wasn't, wasn't an, an incel. incel but no. uh, <laughs> like beheading a woman who didn't give you a son. <laughs> say what you want. That's pretty based. That's um, <laughs> pretty alpha. Bouch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Damn. But yeah, go, uh, go on. 
about uh, Christianity. So, yeah, there was that. And so basically every pagan priest that he went to was just saying that you're going to get punished in the afterlife for that. And then a Christian came along and said, God will forgive you. Christian God will forgive you. So there was that. But the other thing that I think is, th- that's the myth anyway of why he trained, uh, changed to Christianity. I think the main reason that he actually changed to Christianity was instead of everybody, like we were saying before, it was this idea of I, their version of like identity politics then would have just been like, I worship Athena. Well, I worship Aphrodite. And they'd all be into these different gods that they thought were like their special god. So it just naturally bred disunity. Once you put in a Christian god and you say there is only one god and that god has ordained me to be emperor and it comes with all of these principles like, you know, being meek, uh, being subservient, having faith, being, um, you know, being austere in this life so that you may have a reward in the next life. These are not necessarily traits that were with pagan religion. So they were trying to bring back the empire to having this kind of humility sure, but by putting Christianity in. At the height of the Roman Empire, they would have still had that those pagan religions. So what changed from when they were at their peak to when they were on the decline, wherein people went off into their sects and said, I worship this person as opposed to you? Was there more unity uh, surrounding the religion as Rome was on the incline? Hmm? Wait, what? Didn't they always have that same pagan religion, even when Rome was at the peak? Yeah. So what what changed then that created the conditions for what you say is their conception of identity politics? Well, I think that it's just a thing of like, you know how we were saying before that human beings just inherently want to follow something invisible or imaginary. It's what makes homo sapiens homo sapiens. The fact yep. that they can conceptualize something bigger than themselves and that's what unites them together and that's mm-hmm. why they were able to smash Neanderthals. Mm-hmm. Um, it depends on what your outlook on life... It depends on like what you're using as that vehicle. So <clears throat> during the beginning of ancient Rome... Uh, the thing that made it Rome powerful to begin with was the fact that it doesn't matter what, like when they were founding Rome to begin with. So it was just filled with a bunch of like criminals and vagabonds and all this kind of stuff. So it just, it sold itself as this city of opportunity. It doesn't matter what you were in any other city here, you can come here and you can make a life for yourself and then we'll give you land and you'll have a much better life, right? That was the way that they sold themselves, kind of just this like redemption city. Okay. Uh, then it moved on to this idea that the Romans had a republic and the republic was something worth fighting for because everybody got a say in a vote, right? So they believed in that idea. Uh And then the idea moved on to Rome is really powerful and mighty and it is our ordained right to bring our civilization to other, uh, you know, less fortunate societies and bring forth to them roads and aqueducts and all that kind of stuff. That was the next message. Uh Then I think what happened was the third century crisis showed that society was getting too decadent. And I think that Constantine's response to that, I think there was a lot of things that he personally, these were just all filters and ideas, but I think that he was trying to bring about some form of humility and stoicism back to the empire. So I think that it kind of just lost its way. It lost its way through a bunch of civil wars and it was 
No, it was kind of, again, it was just, it was worshipping decadence. And when, when you start doing that, when you have nothing higher for a society to reach to, when you have nothing that everybody has in their mind, like, like China does now, I can guarantee you every Chinese citizen knows that they're there to make China great. That's what Donald Trump was trying to do with his political message of this make America great again idea. Um, but this has just been instilled in China ever since it was conceptualized. It was this thing of just like making China rise, making China just this, uh, the, the superpower that it once was before. It has a narrative to it that everybody can hook into. Yeah. I think that's what happens when the decline of society starts to emerge. It's just for general, a bunch of reasons. And I don't think that it's just the thing of like people start thinking about, they, they stop believing in things. And so the society starts declining. I think it's kind of like a symptom of a declining society that you just stop believing in things. You just become more enamored with yourself. I think that's what happens at the decline. It's it's just reflective in the art. It's reflective in the attitudes of these people. You can see a very, very strong change in writing in uh, Roman historians when it goes to, like, the crisis years. They're just... They're not focused in these... Stoicism kind of just went out of fashion. Christianity was kind of just the answer of bringing back Stoicism, but... Okay. These things are... You can look at it with every society and the same thing kind of happens. It's this building bigger and bigger monuments basically to show off how awesome the society is, which is just a reflection of the leader at the time. So, you know, the same thing happened in Easter Island, same thing happened to the Aztecs, the Mayans. Like, and then, then what happens after that? When, the East, when Easter Island just ran out of all of its uh, trees and all the, all the birds fucked off and then they couldn't build wood to go out and fish. When it comes to the Aztecs, what did, uh, did colonialism play any part in the decline of their society? I'm not entirely aware of the exact history there. Oh, fuck me. Yeah, it's a long time since I've been reading this book, but uh, there was a society... I think it was the society... It was the Incans, Mayans... Shit, and then the uh, Incans. Look, anyway, one whatever it was, yes, one of them because it was still on the rise. That society, that yeah. empire, yes, the Spanish came in and they brought disease and they just wiped out a bunch of them. Yeah. That happened with that. But then there was empires before that that oh, the Aztecs right, right, right. or whoever it was wiped sure. out before that, right? Okay, but yeah. So yeah, there's you know there's other reasons that a society will decline, but everybody always imagines in their head that it'll happen because China will come here and just invade us. I don't think that's what's going to happen. I think that what will happen is that we'll just eat ourselves. Um, from the inside. Eating from the inside. Mm. But, hmm. yeah, okay. Yeah, I don't know really what to, what to say to that. It's, really, a, it's a haunting thought because, like, dude, think about there was a time. Actually, I'll give you, there's two, like, little tidbits that I'll add to this. Uh, Aren't there still as vast swaths of the population, particularly in America, who are very patriotic and do believe in that message of do things for the country and do actually want to see America succeed again and be unified? And, 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 and it's a vocal minority that are the ones that, as you say, are being incredibly decadent and focusing inwards. Do, do you think that's the whole society and the whole populace? 
No, or, well, it's the same thing as like, you know, the decline of ancient Rome. There's some good historians that were writing about the time. Sure, but... Okay. But they're not the majority anymore. Okay. And I think that, you know, the, the, um, the, the Black Lives Matter protests at the moment... Look, you can say that it's noble that they're looking to, I don't know, reduce racism or whatever, but look at the difference between, like, the civil rights marches and now. Civil rights marches were ordered, they were disciplined, there was uh, very specific demands that they wanted. Uh, Dude, this is just fucking lunacy, this is just rioting and smashing shops and looting, and it's it's very self-serving. So the counter-argument to that would be that the, the Black Lives Matter protests are a very peaceful and organized protest, but then there's, on the periphery, there are the people who are also looting and rioting, but they're not actually associated with each other. That might be true, but they're happening concurrently. Yeah. I don't think that's what was happening. Now, look, there were maybe riots it was like in the riot. late in the late sixties um, in America that actually uh, encouraged a lot of people to vote for Nixon. Weren't really? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I mean, I've been researching this vaguely. I haven't. I haven't read on it. Yeah, I don't know enough. I couldn't. I shouldn't use it as an example. <laughs> I think. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't either. But I think that the civil rights <laughs> movement happened and. It wasn't, was it, Ken, no, it wasn't Kennedy. It was um, Johnson who sort of oversaw, um, yeah, look, again, I, I, I'm not an expert on this by any means, but I was reading a book recently that said in the late 60s, there were uh, riots, uh, mostly from uh, African-American communities. And the author was hypothesizing that because conditions had improved, but then suddenly went down again. That's when society is most susceptible to chaos. And you can almost see parallels today in that for a period of maybe two or three years, look, things definitely compared to the 20th century, many Americans would say it's, it's, it's not the same. But relative to the aftermath of the GFC, things were at least somewhat stable and then suddenly coronavirus hit, and that's when when you've given people a little bit of stability and a taste of how good it can be, and then you strip that away strip from it back. Them, that's when people lose their minds. And so I think this book was saying that these there were race riots in, I think, 68, and Nixon ran as the law and order president. And that was a big reason as to why he won that election. Now, that actually makes sense. Again, I'm not... Probably, probably right. On it, but I'm <laughs> You're probably right about it. Look. But it was... Yeah, but prior to that, there were the civil rights marches, which were, yes, very organized, very principled. In fact, I, I heard stories that they would beat each other up and, and force each other to not react violently because that was... They were so strong on the principle of nonviolence. And it shows that... Society had a collective principle or honour about it that doesn't exist anymore. I really don't think that there is such a... There's no inbuilt idea in the West anymore of, like, an ideal citizen. 
That was definitely something that existed in the 50s. That happened. There yeah. was there was like, you know, the idea of being a gentleman, the fact that there was even a corporate culture of wanting to pay tax. There was an idea that you owed something to society. Yeah, that definitely doesn't exist now. It <laughs> doesn't exist. It doesn't exist anymore. It's just look out for number one. You can only sustain that for so long. And it's just, look, I, I really think that that's another example of it. You know, another indicator that I was fascinated by when it came to the collapse of societies? Isn't this incredible? At the collapse of every empire, there becomes a worship of professions like cooking and sport to the point that sports stars and chefs become the biggest celebrities in the society. Was that just Rome or every um, collapsed empire? Dude, he was going through it. It was just like Britain, uh, France. Um, so what... With Britain, though, did that empire really collapse or did it just lose its peak position? Because it's, Britain is still a very powerful country in the world today and it's not as though the the, the people there, relative to other countries at least, are um, in complete chaos. Yeah, there's varying degrees of collapse. But really, Britain in the grand scheme of things now is more or less just a holiday destination where people just dress up as beef eaters and take you on tours of castles. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, what a condemnation of the United Kingdom. <laughs> well, I mean, think about it, right? Like, what, dude, once, how epic is this? There was a point in British history where it said the sun never sets on the British Empire. So, I, I guess, look, many people today would say... People, you're glossing over the fact that there were massive atrocities that occurred. Um, oh, that's the process of empire building. Right. Like, people gloss over the fact that America commits huge atrocities across the planet that would dwarf yeah. what happened in the British Empire. But the, the, and like, you know, ancient Rome, it's exactly the same thing. You, we have this glorious image of them just living in like stone marble palaces. But the reality is, most of them just lived in conditions that were very similar to Bangladesh. And there was a huge underclass of slaves to the point that 50% of the population wasn't employed. 50% mm-hmm. of the freed societies of ancient Rome were unemployed. Um, look, this is not a, a, you know, you can, the economic history of it is very different to the history of empire building. I'm just saying that, like, if a society is on the increase, mm-hmm. uh, the empire is expanding. When it is on the decline, usually what happens is the empire consolidates itself and it becomes very inwardly focused. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly what happened with Europe. With World War One and World War Two were a result of that. Yeah. World War One and World War Two were a result of the fact that there was an ambitious country that was Germany that wanted its share of power and smashed everyone's expectations. It rose up twice... And it destroyed the French Empire and the British Empire. Up until then, the strongest empires the world had ever seen. Gone. Pretty much overnight. They started disassembling very quickly after that. It was just a foregone conclusion that the US was the new uh, hegemony. And it had 50% of the globe's GDP. And you can argue that ever since then, it's been on the decline since then. But like this new indicator, the fact that China 
has beat it in GDP. Look, the, the, the military might is always going to be the last thing that grinds to a halt. But just like it did in the Soviet Union, it does. And then it'll just become like a country like the Soviet Union, where it's kind of just like a Russia now today. I mean, it still has a strong military and you don't want to fuck with it. But like, dude, it has a GDP that's the size of Italy and it's massive. And pretty much all it is now is just a regional nuisance. I'm pretty sure that's what America will be. Wow. They'll just become a point where it's just like, it's it's untenable. You can keep the military going and that's exactly what they're doing. You know how everybody's always just saying that uh, Korea spends so much money on its military to prop it up that its own citizens are starving? America's not at that point, but it's not that far removed from it. They're perfectly willing to put their citizens into like extreme abject poverty to keep that military machine going. That's, that's true. You can't really argue with that. You can't argue with it, right? And like... You give that 30 years and you give China having a very disciplined approach to growth where their empire model is built on trade instead of military might. Who's going to win? That's really what's going to happen, man. Like, and that's why I'm just saying when people are always telling me like, oh, you got to side with America. Why are you siding with a sinking ship? You're not reading history right here. Go with the winning team. It's only going to be okay. better in the end. Yeah. And this is like, dude, I, I, I don't and when know. When you say go with the, the winning team, what what should, um, for, for the individuals actually listening to this podcast, do you, do you have any actions they should, they should take to, one, try and improve this current society, or two, do they just jump ship? <laughs> do we just move to China now, or what's going <laughs> what do you What do you think is the right course of action not for a country, but just for what can an individual do if if they think that their empire is on the decline? Well, you this just is... hold on to the knowledge and try to pass it on to your next of kin and, and pass it on so that hopefully through the generations, at least that knowledge um, stays relevant. I don't really know what you do on an individual level. I've got a couple of answers, I guess, which is that, look, I don't think that it's going to be as dramatic, again, unless there is an ecological collapse, which there is a very, very real chance of there being. But well, Then Russia, I've heard Russia will, there'll be all these uh, refugees to Russia because all that Siberian desert will actually become quite... Um, Habitable. Yes, and able to be farmed. That's what I've heard. Anyway. Yeah, that'd be pretty. And Canada now, Jesus. And the top of Canada. Yeah. So well, yeah. All all the Arctic nations live there. Or they'll try and move there. Yeah, which is exactly what happened in the um, collapse of the Roman Empire, the West Roman Empire, when it collapsed, and then it just turned into the Byzantine Empire, which was the East Roman Empire. And there's one little tiny pocket of Western Australia that apparently is going to become quite really arable. It's arable, the word. When Tom yeah, when they, yeah. That's, Western Australia? I, uh, there's South? a book I need to read. No, sort of Northwestern Australia, apparently. Really? And then Tasmania. Of course, yeah, yeah. And, and New, Victoria. New Zealand. It's New Zealand, yeah. This video said Vic- not Victoria. Like, basically, the whole east coast of Australia will be just unable to be farmed. Yeah, like Thailand, Bangladesh, they're all fucked. It's just anything in the equator is going to be bad. Yeah, but there's this like pocket in Western Australia, which was is probably the size of France or something because Western Australia is that big. <laughs> That uh, will be really habitable. This is according to a video, which was based on a book, which I want to read. It's, it's next on my to-read list. I'm currently reading Awaken the Giant. 
Hell yeah. Your, your favorite. Well, that's the first step. <laughs> reading it all and I'm like, oh, this was Jordan's idea for the podcast. Oh, this was Jordan's. <laughs> <laughs> it is that. That's true. I've a made an entire of, channel off yeah, it. Yeah, a lot of your podcast ideas come straight from that book. That one book. What else do you need? Do you think it's better? Because I haven't actually read his first one. It's better. It is better. Okay. Yep, 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 yep. Nearly done. But anyway, um, so yeah, and it, I was gonna, we were gonna, you were gonna say what? What are some of these possibilities that an individual could? I don't think there is much that you can do because these are things that are just well beyond your control. But like what happened when the West Roman Empire collapsed. Anyone that had any means of money, they moved over to the East Roman Empire, like what you're saying is going to happen to Russia, and then that created this extreme dearth where anybody with any means to fix the West Roman Empire was gone, and anybody who was smart was gone, and so it was basically just the poor people that were left to the mercy of barbarians. Um, it's a really weird thought thinking about that as well. Just Who pillages them? For, was it the Huns? No, actually, the Huns went all the way to Rome and then it was an unguarded city. And this is amazing that back then the, the Pope had this power. The Pope then walked over to Attila the Hun, talked to him in a tent for three days, and then the Huns just fucked off. They didn't even pillage the city. Where where did the Huns originate from? Asia. The Steppes of Asia, I think it's called. Yeah, like was it Mongolia? Somewhere around there, somewhere around there. Were they relate? Were the the Khans the descendants of the Huns? Maybe sounds like it because they were both horse people. And just I, I, I actually don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> Man, that's a collapse. The the Mongolia today compared to what? I know. <laughs> Holy shit! For a brief shining moment, being well, the best horseman on earth was good old Genghis, and then <laughs> who was the other one? Kubla. Yeah, Kubler, that's right. Um, The genetic legacy of that man. Wow. I know. Was it 50 million people are direct descendants of Genghis Khan? I thought it was way more than that. I know, um, like, I think it's something like most of China or something. Yeah, yeah. Direct... Yeah, all Hans. Yeah, people say he was a he was a monster, but I mean, look, if if you were just some, I think I made this point in a podcast before. If you were just some lowly village girl, and this absolute boss king just came into your village, looking as ostentatious as possible on horseback with sheer power, as we were talking in the last podcast, power is clearly very attractive. You would have consented. I mean, come on. I know. What, you Bill Clinton just has a nice suit. Yeah, rather you, what, you're going to stick with that like poor Chinese farmer. <laughs> I know. Now, you're going to fuck the shit out of Genghis Khan. You want that Genghis seed. I wonder if he actually was very impressive. He was probably, he was probably actually just a really scary looking man. <laughs> don't you, don't, I, I suppose it just doesn't matter because he's still got power. That was their whole ethos, the, the, wasn't it? The car, just pure domination. <laughs> And and um, brilliant fighters. I have no idea. I just assumed that they were the you know the horsemen in Game yeah. of Thrones. That yeah, was just w- all they were based. I guess off. they weren't really an empire, hey, because there wasn't. It wasn't. Didn't seem to set anything up, did no, they? No, it was just they were all just, just ba- destroying they were like the shit. They were just yeah, a, a, a huge clan of people who would just pillage and destroy and. 
and probably spread a lot of their... Look, I mean, I bet everyone in Europe probably has some Viking ancestry. You probably have Viking ancestry. Yeah, definitely. Because they raped a lot. Yeah. (laughs) So much of history is just rape. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Especially, yeah, especially when it comes to anyone on a horse. Rape studies in history are just the same degree. I, is there a degree <laughs> called rape? Oh, what am I talking about? Fucking hell. This is so problematic. <laughs> I don't know if, it, if it is problematic. I think it's the exact opposite of problematic. That is ex- that, that is what they'd say. They'd just be like, all history is just made off of rape. Yeah, that like, is it. Yeah, yeah, I'm not, agreeing. Not growing Look, seeds or anything? No, no. They're not wrong. <laughs> a not lot wrong. of it is. They're not wrong. A lot of it's just, just a lot of rape. <laughs> yeah, that's Damn. true. Yeah, yeah. History. Uh <laughs> <laughs> But um, all right, c- concluding remarks for this one. So you don't think there's much a, each person can really do? I think that, look, the thing that needs to happen is that there needs to be a government in place that is actually interested in advancing the state as opposed to advancing their donors. What I'm very excited about is the idea that, and Paul Keating created this, this little back entrance called superannuation, where now there's $2 trillion sitting around in superannuation. And if we started being more conscious of where our superannuation funds were going, we could collectively, as a society, buy the entire ASX 200. And you know what happens if we buy the ASX 200? It means that it starts working in the interests of the people. I think that the biggest step that you can make just both to fix climate change and to fix the decline of the West is to put your super into something like Bank Australia and Future Super. Put it there, you'll get better returns and on top of that, they'll be investing in things that will be actually advancing the economies of tomorrow because another thing that about Australia, like the thing we should be investing in is the green tech revolution. No country on earth stands to profit as much from green technology as Australia. Mm-hmm. But obviously, we're not doing it because of selfish uh, short-term interests. But if you invest your super into that and you have essentially more money than the government has to spend on subsidies at your control, going into uh, industries that will actually advance the country, you're building the country. But this is a, this is a thing that I don't think will happen because I don't think that you can tell 25 million fucking people to do that. It's just i think society's collapse shit happens man that's the conclusion (laughs) grim apocalyptic what do you think what do you think's gonna happen by 2050 well i uh, i don't i have no idea by 20 well there's all right we're at a crossroads where we could we could go we could dramatically collapse or things could just keep petering along as they are, and then there'll just be a further divide. There'll be more of a divide between um, the one percent or just the wealthy versus the average citizen, and there'll essentially be an underclass. But the living conditions of that underclass probably won't be as bad as any underclass throughout history. Hmm. I they mean, could get there. We're just—it's—it's it's a very consumer-driven. That's all we do, really, is just consume. <laughs> like, what we, look, try to be, try to. Well, think of what that ideal citizen should be in your mind, and try to model your behavior off of that. Read and 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 pass down knowledge as much as you can. That, look, I like to think what we're doing with this podcast is at least trying to educate people or push them in 
the right direction. Um, don't assume that you're perfect and that you can just wag your finger at other people and talk down to them and chances are you're in a glass house. So I'd say on on an individual level, let's try to reimagine this concept of the ideal citizen and aim for that. Yeah, look, there's honestly... There's nothing saying we can't do that. But there's nothing... Look, and I think you can agree after reading this, come on, read Tony Robbins. Yeah. That's the that's, way. That's the, that's the way for... He is the, he's done it. <laughs> it took us 2,000 years, but we fucking got there. Although, is there really much in... Oh, yeah, can I, there's a lot of it is very self... It's like, you know, you can be the best you can be. How much in the Tony Robbins and self-help philosophy is about the greater good? But then again, I do believe that once you have cleaned your room, if you will, and taken care of your uh, issues and insecurities and become the best version you can be, then you are most able to help others. Exactly. So the first step is always thinking about the self. And this is what people always say when they they're always, yeah, of yeah, yourself. Uh, yeah, yeah. You got to do that. You have to start with the self reflection part. People are always telling me about like friendly Geordies and Jordan Shanks and be like, you're contradicting yourself. No, I'm not. On an individual level, you are supposed to be looking out for yourself and you are supposed to be looking out for yourself to the point that you can start thinking about things like the country. But if you don't get yourself in order and you just sit there in the state that most people in life do of just kind of exactly living in this glass house of hoardiness despite the fact they haven't achieved anything with their own life... <laughs> who are you influencing yeah, and are you actually you're helping right. you're not helping anything you're just a drain i said to myself when i uh last year when i turned 25 i said okay something you said to me actually that people generally overestimate what they can do in a year but underestimate what they can do in 10 years i said okay from 25 to 35 enough with trying to tell the world how it should be run and and having these grand ideas about how economies and um, society should function. I'm just going to focus on myself. Well, it's just like, I think that's... And, yeah, and then after that, when I'm in my 30s and 40s, that's when I want to try to help others. And yeah. do what I can. But I need to sh- be sure that I am the best version of myself I can be before I can do that. And I think that's just a natural transition anyway. There comes a point where you think... Well, I'm doing it all. All this self-help advice is just getting very repetitive now. It's boring. Focusing on yourself after a while just gets boring because it becomes routine. And then you start thinking, what next? I don't even think you need to consciously think... You need to consciously think about how you're going to help out society or whatever. But just getting into that mode of wanting to Mm. sort of comes naturally. Mm. All right. Well, deep. Deep. Great podcast. Yeah. Thank you for your views. Appreciate it. And thank you for listening, guys. Cheers, gang.